This is the Not Your Mother's Pelvic Floor Podcast. I'm your host and pelvic floor's best friend, Aaliyah. I'm a pelvic floor physio and the founder of Box Wellness Co. Every week, I'll be talking about the things women don't talk about, taboos about our body, our health, and so much more. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Not Your Mother's Pelvic Floor Podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting today all about bladder stuff. We're going to be going over 10 tips for better bladder control together. I'm going to give you a little warning that I'm feeling a bit under the weather, so I'm kind of stuffy and my throat is a little scratchy, so I hope you'll be able to ignore all that and really take some notes about how you can stop letting your bladder control your life. Now, many of the patients that I work with in my clinic, they come to me with concerns about bladder control. They're leaking when they are sneezing or jumping. They are having a really hard time controlling a strong urge to go to the bathroom, one that comes on super quick and, you know, typically at really specific times, like when they return home from work or when they're putting the key in the door. I have many, many people sharing stories with me about how they are often just going just in case, about how they are getting up multiple times a night to go to the washroom. So I know from my clinical experience and from the many conversations I have on Instagram in my DMs and in the comments on some of my posts about bladder control, that this is a problem for many of us. And the data, the numbers on how many women struggle with bladder control confirms exactly this. So I thought that I would record a quick episode filled with really actionable tips, things that you can actually start doing, changes that you can actually start making, like right now, today. So let's just get right into it with tip number one. Tip number one for better bladder control is drink more water. Now I know you're going to be like, Aaliyah, I cannot control my bladder as it is. Why are you telling me to drink more water? This makes absolutely no sense. And I get it. I hear you. It makes no sense. But when you know how your bladder works, then it actually does make sense. So let me tell you. When you are restricting how much water you're drinking because you're afraid of leaking or because you're afraid of those strong, uncontrollable urges, I get it. It makes sense. But what's actually happening inside your body is that whatever is inside your bladder, the urine that is being produced and is being held in your bladder is very concentrated and concentrated urine aggravates and irritates the inner lining of the bladder, which can make your bladder more reactive. It can give you more urges. It can give you a sense of having less control. It can contribute to leaks. So pretty much when you are restricting water, your bladder is becoming more irritated by the urine that is in it. So I highly recommend drinking more water. 
I don't think that you should go and guzzle one liter right this very second. I really recommend gradually increasing how much water you're drinking, usually aiming for somewhere between two and three liters of water a day is pretty good. It depends, of course, on your activity levels and how much you're sweating. It really depends also on what's coming out. So take a look at what color your pee is the next time you go. If it's really dark yellow, stinky, you know that your urine is quite concentrated. If it's clear like water, maybe you can even cut back on some of the water that you're drinking. Try to get your pee to be the color of lemonade, like a really light yellow. That's a really good indication. Or somewhere between two and three liters. Or to be really technical, you can take your body weight in pounds, divide it in two, and drink that many ounces of water. Now that monkey math hurts my brain, so I'm not going to do it for you, but you can do that. Take your body weight in pounds, divide it in two, and drink that many ounces. That's another way to know what you might want to aim for. So drink some more water. That's tip number one. It is counterintuitive, I know, but give it a try. And also, if you're going to give it a try, allow your body some time to accommodate to the extra water that you're drinking. You may feel like you do have to go a little bit more frequently or a little bit more. You may notice that you're actually peeing more. But give your body some time, maybe a week or two, to level out and become more accustomed to how much you're drinking. And then start paying attention to how some of your symptoms, like strong, uncontrollable urges, leaks, and so on, pay attention to how those are doing once you have settled into a routine of drinking more water. Okay, tip number two for better bladder control is to sit down on the toilet. Yeah, many of us are hovering over public toilets. I get it. They're gross sometimes. It's really not comfortable to sit down on a toilet seat that, you know, you've just wiped because there was pee on it. I get it. I really, truly, honestly do get this one. But I want you to sit down on the toilet seat. And here is why. When we are going to the bathroom, when we are peeing, when we are emptying our bladder, what is actually happening is that our bladder muscle, the bladder is made up of muscle, a different type of muscle than the muscle in your bicep or your hamstring, for example, but it's a muscle. And when we're emptying our bladder, it's the bladder muscle that is contracting to push the pee out. The rest of the muscles of your body, the muscles of your pelvic floor, the muscles of your abdominal wall, all the other muscles are supposed to sort of just relax, especially the muscles of the pelvic floor and the muscles that help to control uh, the, the urethra, the muscles around the urethral opening. Those muscles need to relax to allow the urine to come out. Now, when we are hovering over a toilet seat, that's a lot of core strength and balance and muscle control that we actually need to maintain that hovering position. It's really challenging for our pelvic floor muscles in particular to relax when we're working really hard to hover a few inches off of a toilet seat. 
Now, what happens when our pelvic floor muscles are not able to properly relax or lengthen when we're emptying our bladder is that it becomes harder for the pee to actually come out. We may find ourselves straining or pushing the pee out because it's harder to get it out without the muscles being relaxed down there. So it can get us into this sort of strange pattern of having a difficult time emptying our bladder because our pelvic floor muscles are having a difficult time letting go. So that's why I think it's really important to sit down on the toilet seat. And the thing is, if we all sat down on the toilet seat, we would never walk into a stall that had pee sprayed all over the toilet seat. It's virtually impossible to do that if you're sitting on the toilet seat. So if we all sit our cute butts down on the toilet seat, there wouldn't be pee sprayed all over it. (laughs) So collectively, we all need to sit down. Speaking of sitting down and relaxing when we go to the bathroom, my next tip, tip number three, is just that, is sit down and relax and not push out your pee. And that's for the exact reasons that I explained just a few minutes ago, that it's our bladder that's contracting to push the pee out, and it's our pelvic floor muscles that simply need to relax and lengthen and allow that to happen. Now, I know sometimes when we're in a rush or when we are hovering, um, we might kind of strain and bear down and really push our pee out. Um, We might find that we're irritated with a really slow stream. And so to make it go faster or to have a stronger stream, we'll bear down and push the pee out. So that, I like to call that power peeing. So tip number three really is stop power peeing. Just sit down and relax. Really visualize the pelvic floor muscles opening. Really visualize the urethral opening, so the little hole that the pee comes out from, really picture that in your mind and imagine that being open and relaxed and allow your bladder to do what it needs to do. Now listen, if you are a chronic power peer, this is going to be hard. First of all, to break the habit, to not push the pee out, sure, that's going to take some intentional control. But what you might find is that the stream will be super slow. It might start and stop. The thing is that when we are used to straining and pushing the pee out, the bladder itself becomes lazy, if you will, and it doesn't really need to contract quite as hard to get the urine out because we're used to providing that pressure by bearing down and pushing the pee out. So it's going to be a little bit of a curve, but it really is very important for bladder function and for bladder control to make sure that the right muscles are doing the right thing at the right time and in the case of your bladder muscle when it's time to empty the bladder that muscle needs to be able to contract well to empty the contents and when it comes to your pelvic floor muscles when we're emptying our bladder they really do need to let go and allow the urine to come out so that later on they can do the right thing at the right time. So when you do need your pelvic floor muscles to actually sort of tighten and help to keep you from leaking and help to provide some 
support of your pelvic organs and some core stability that they're able to do that that's the right thing for them to do at that time but when we're sitting on the toilet and emptying our bladder that's not the time for them to be kind of contracting or tightening so this is an important point and i hope that if you're a power peer you try to break that habit all right tip number four is for those of us who might have a little bit of pee come out when we cough or sneeze, lift a heavy bag of groceries, um, or jump, anything like that. Something that you can try is an intentional pre-contraction of your pelvic floor muscles before that culprit activity. So let me explain a few things. Um, before I get into how to actually do this or how to maybe practice this. Our pelvic floor muscles and the muscles of our core, they really are muscles that are designed to anticipate changes in pressure in our body and automatically react and respond appropriately. So you can imagine that when we have a sneeze, that is a lot of pressure that is generated in our body when we sneeze. My husband often makes fun of me and says that I sneeze like his dad. His dad has the biggest sneezes and sometimes I also do. Like that's a lot of pressure. Like I put my whole body into it. Sometimes I stomp my foot. Like there's a lot of stuff happening. And so (laughs) whether you're a big sneezer or not, your body, your pelvic floor and your deep core they are anticipating this huge change in pressure and they are automatically pre-contracting in order to manage or sort of counteract that increase in force that will be occurring during that sneeze. Same thing with a cough, same thing with a lift, same thing with um, a jump or anything like that. In fact, pressure intra-abdominal pressure so pressure within our abdomen this changes regularly throughout our day we don't even notice it we don't think about it it's because our pelvic floor and core are doing what they're supposed to do when you get up from a chair there's actually a pretty large increase in intra-abdominal pressure Um, so but we're not thinking about it in all these day-to-day times however when you have a big sneeze or a big cough or a big lift and we are generating pressure that is above and beyond the capacity of our pelvic floor and core we might have a leak in that situation so i did say that our pelvic floor muscles are designed to be anticipatory and automatic but sometimes they they lose that capability or they're not able to generate enough tension at the right time perhaps we can really go deep 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 into understanding why um we may not have the capacity to have that automatic and anticipatory nature but maybe we can talk about that another day but for now what i want you to do if you are leaking when you're sneezing or coughing or lifting a heavy bag of groceries something like that i want you to think about doing a pre-contraction of your pelvic floor muscles and holding it while you do that lift sneeze cough whatever it is this is known in the pelvic health world as the knack it's a reflexive action Remember, our muscles are supposed to be automatic and anticipatory. So what we can do is we can be very intentional and we can do this on purpose. So what that might look like is you feel a sneeze coming on. It's not one of those sneak attack sneezes. You know it's coming. You 
think about lifting and squeezing your pelvic floor muscles. And if that is a foreign concept to you, then think about stopping a fart, hold that, and then sneeze or cough or do whatever it is. So you're intentionally pre-contracting and holding your pelvic floor muscles um, tight against the huge increase in downwards force or intra-abdominal pressure that happens in these culprit movements. Now, the thing is, is that um, we're being very intentional with it. And we also should be very intentional with what muscles we're using, not just the timing, but what muscles. So there are often a lot of like funny TikToks and Instagram reels that, that are floating around that sort of poke fun at the fact that mothers will cross their legs before they sneeze and kind of blame it on their children. Sort of poking fun at the fact that it's so common that after having a baby or babies, moms will have a hard time controlling their bladder and will often leak when they sneeze. Now, I mean, it, it's not untrue. It is, it is a very common experience. Um, however, this whole crossing the legs thing, that's not going to really help your pelvic floor muscles do much. When you cross your legs, you're creating like a little bit less space for maybe the pee to trickle down your thighs, but that's not necessarily helping to um, lift and contract the pelvic floor muscles themselves. So what I would encourage you to do if you're going to give this a try is to really think about the muscles on the inside. The pelvic floor muscles are on the inside of your body. They're not your inner thigh muscles. They're not your butt cheeks or your glute muscles. They're not the muscles of your belly. They are the muscles on the inside. So if you were to insert one finger into your vaginal canal, what you feel around your finger are your pelvic floor muscles. So that's why I gave you that idea that if you want to do this pre-contraction to think about stopping a fart. Global recruitment of the pelvic floor muscles is generally quite good when I tell someone to stop a fart, and there are some studies that back that up too. So think about that instead of squeezing your thighs or your legs really tight together. Okay, so try that. Do a pre-contraction of your pelvic floor muscles if you are someone who has a little bit of leak um, when it comes to coughing, sneezing, and things like that. All right, tip number five for better bladder control is to stop peeing just because. So if you find yourself going to the bathroom just because, just in case you need to go later, just because you are about to leave the house and go run an errand, and what if you need to go when you're out and you don't want to, um, or just because you happen to want a break from work, so you're going to go to the bathroom to have a little bit of five, ten minutes away from your desk, or for any new parents here, if you're going to the bathroom just so that you can have a little break from sort of the monotony of motherhood and have a few moments to take a breath for yourself. All of these situations where we're going to pee and empty our bladder before the bladder is adequately full can lead us to getting more and more frequent and strong urges to empty our bladder when it's not actually full. Um, and this can become a really irritating thing. And this can become um, a life where our bladder is sort of calling the shots. Here's the thing. We should be able to wait between two and four hours before going to the bathroom to empty our bladder. That's normative data. 
Or if you want to think about it a different way, emptying your bladder between five to eight times a day, that is within normal ranges. So if you find yourself going to the bathroom or needing to go to the bathroom every 30 minutes or 60 minutes, that's really frequent. Um, And I wonder if some point in your life, maybe even all the way back to your childhood, you were sort of um, conditioned or sort of in a routine where you were going to the bathroom without having a full bladder. So what I want you to think about is this. When you are thinking about going to the bathroom and you might have just gone to the bathroom, ask yourself first and foremost, like, do you really have to go? When did you last go? Are you going just because it's convenient or because you need a break or because you're about to leave the house? Or do you really need to go? So call yourself on your own bladder BS. Ask yourself if it's a true urge. Try to break the habit of going just because or just in case. Now, I said that we should typically be able to hold our pee for two to four hours. That's normative data. Um, This is something that we should at least know. But if you're drinking a ton of water, if you're drinking a ton of water and a few coffees within a span of two hours, you might need to go more. So... (laughs) You don't have to necessarily hold yourself strong and fast to the rule of two to four hours between each void, but you can also see how much pee is coming out when you go to the bathroom, right? You can see, is it just a little trickle that's coming out or is it a good, is it a good pee, right? And you can determine that by sort of timing or counting the number of seconds of your stream. Typically, 10 seconds or so is a good pee. That's enough urine that had collected in your bladder that you can let out. Now, our bladder has a capacity to hold a lot. And we're going to get an urge when our bladder is about two-thirds full. And that's an urge that, you know, our bladder is going to tell our brain that, hey, there's a bunch of pee in here. You should probably empty it soon. It's not an urgent, emergent situation right now. But, you know, I'm running out of space. And that's when we typically feel that first urge. And we feel the urge to go. Now, if we keep emptying our bladder when it's one-third full, for example, then what will start to happen is that our bladder and our brain will start to learn that it that we like to empty at less full. That we like to empty our bladder when it's less full. So we'll get strong urges when our bladder is not that full. Now, what gives our brain the signal that our bladder is full? It's actually stretch receptors that are in the lining of the bladder. As it fills, it expands like a balloon. And as it expands, the stretch receptors are triggered. And that's what lets our brain know that there's enough liquid in there and it's probably time to go. So um, really, we can get false urges. We can get urges when our bladder isn't adequately full. And this can become really, really irritating. And going just because or just in case is honestly a really, really easy way to get to that point. Earlier on in the pandemic, when we were all working from home and here in Toronto, where I lived, like nothing was open. We were all home. Schools were closed. We were working from home. Stores were closed. Restaurants were closed. Like we were always at home. And even though I know better, I found myself 
taking really frequent trips to the bathroom because I was just up to my eyeballs in homeschooling my four-year-old and trying to manage virtual appointments with patients when life and my practice wasn't set up for virtual care at that point. Um, You know, managing just all of the things I needed frequent, just frequent one to two minute breaks. So I found myself going to the bathroom very frequently and I would just go in there and I would hide for like two minutes, but I would pee. I would sit on the toilet and I would go to the bathroom. Um, And I didn't realize that it was a problem because the bathroom was always there and we weren't like leaving the house. And when we started to leave the house more frequently um, to go places and to meet people and to go outside, I realized that I couldn't make it more than 30 minutes without really, really strong urges. And at that time, bathrooms were definitely closed. Like I said, many businesses were closed. There's nowhere that you could go. But even bathrooms and community centers and places that would typically be open, they were not open. So I really got myself into this situation because I was peeing just because I needed a couple of minutes to myself. So if you feel like that might be something that you're doing, go ahead and take the time to yourself, hide in the bathroom, but don't pee. Just like sit on the toilet with the lid closed, take a break, scroll your phone. You know what I mean? Just don't get into, um, don't get into that pattern. It's really challenging for quality of life. Um, and it's something that we really don't, don't need to do to ourselves, but a lot of us do that. And a lot of people I talk to, find that this is something that their mom or dad nagged them about when they were young children and that they find themselves nagging their own children about like we're leaving the house go pee oh you haven't peed in a while go pee so telling their children when to go pee so that it doesn't become like a a, an urgent situation when they're on the road or to prevent potential accidents with young children but what we're doing is we're not allowing children to understand and to feel the own urge and the own feeling of their bladder Um, and they will start to get these more frequent urges to go when their bladder is not fully full so anyway don't go pee just because that was tip number five all right tip number six is going to be to learn what irritates your bladder so there are these things that we call bladder irritants and what they are are typically very delicious things that we consume that irritate the lining of our bladder and make our bladder more reactive, meaning the bladder will give us more urges, they'll give us strong urges, frequent urges, even contribute to leaks and so on. And these typical irritants are things like coffee, wine, fizzy drinks like um, bubbly water, sparkling water, soda, chocolate, spicy foods, acidic foods, tomato-based stuff, sugar, um, teas, this kind of stuff. So basically all of the delicious things in life could potentially irritate the lining of your bladder. Now, bladder irritants will not be the same from person to person. So if you find that you have some annoying bladder behavior, it might be a good idea to sort of track what you're eating and drinking and consuming just with respect to these common bladder irritants and see if you can pick up a pattern. See if you can pick up a pattern. Is it after a coffee that after that afternoon coffee that you are 
getting really strong urges to go a few times an hour, for example? Or is it after having spicy food? Is it your lemon water in the morning? Um, So track the irritants that you're consuming and see if you can find any patterns. Now, if you find a pattern between your annoying bladder behavior and one of these irritants or more irritants, I don't think that you should cut them out of your life because those things probably bring you some element of joy. (laughs) And I'm not one for asking anyone to remove things in their life that bring them joy. We all need more joy in our life. So if your coffee brings you joy, if your spicy food brings you joy, if your lemon water or chocolate or candy, uh, just, just have those things. But drink a little bit of water before and after you consume that thing that you have determined irritates your bladder lining and makes your annoying symptoms worse. For example, that could look like having that coffee, but having half a cup of coffee sorry, having half a cup of water before and after. If you are part of my Instagram community, you might have seen me on my stories, often writing hydrate before you caffeinate. And that's exactly why caffeine is a very, very common bladder irritant. And if we hydrate before we caffeinate, we are at least diluting the caffeine that is coming into our system and will ultimately end up in our bladder. And remember, when the urine is concentrated, it irritates the lining of the bladder even more. So don't eliminate the things that irritate your bladder. Just dilute them. Drink water before and after um, and see if that makes those annoying symptoms a little bit less annoying. Listen, bladder behavior is complex. There's physical things that are going on. There are things that you're eating. There are, you know, stress actually impacts our bladder behavior too. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, so what works for you will not work for your friend. So it's always good to just learn more about what's going on in your body and try different things, especially if your bladder symptoms are bothering you. Now, look, if your bladder symptoms aren't bothering you, then like do whatever you want. You don't have to change a thing if you're fine with the frequency of your, of your voids, or if you're if, even if you're okay with having a little bit of a leak here and there, if it doesn't bother you, that's perfectly fine. It's your body. But if it does, then I hope that, you know, some of these tips are helping you to think and to learn about yourself and to, you know, have a couple of starting points for changes that you can make that could potentially um, help you. Anyhow, tip number seven is going to be for those of us who have really strong urges that come on really fast and we have a hard time controlling those urges or we are scared that we might leak if we get those strong urges so we rush to the bathroom. So if you are someone that gets these really strong urges, tip number seven is to delay the urge with this three-step process that I'm about to teach you. So when we get a signal from our bladder that goes to our brain and says it's it's full, it's time to go pee. Whether it's actually really full or whether it's one of those urges that is almost a false urge where our bladder isn't actually full, but we feel it's very full. The first thing we can try to do is to control that urge and to control our response. A lot of the times, the way that we respond is kind of like a stress reaction, right? You can imagine 
you're coming home from work, you are coming in your door, on the drive home from work, you didn't have to pee. You were just fine listening to the radio or your favorite podcast, driving home, thinking about what you're going to make for dinner. But the second that you pulled into your driveway or opened your door suddenly, that urge to pee came on strong and suddenly you are rushing you're throwing off your shoes you're ripping off your jacket you're getting tangled in the sleeves your purse is like halfway wrapped around your neck because you're trying to get all of your things off so that you can get to the bathroom before you pee in your pants if this is familiar to you or something like this that is a stress response you're having you are rushing you are panicking and you are like i gotta go put my butt down on the toilet or I'm going to pee in my pants. Now that is a highly stressed response. So the first step in this three-step process to help you delay the urge and control the urge is to take a few deep breaths. So I'm going to ask you to stop, breathe in slowly for four or five seconds and breathe out slowly for four or five seconds breathing in and kind of really allowing your rib cage to expand and your belly to fill and exhaling slowly repeating five or six diaphragmatic breaths like this can help to settle your nervous system down can help to move you away from that stress response that you were in now once you've done that you've stopped and you've taken a few breaths then you're going to do a few pelvic floor muscle contractions squeezing the muscles of your pelvic floor so kegels if you're familiar with that five or ten kegels and what happens when we do a kegel or contract the pelvic floor muscles is we encourage the bladder muscle to relax now remember back in i think it was tip one or tip two i talked about how when the bladder contracts to empty the pelvic floor muscles relax to allow that that is a typical relationship between the bladder muscle and the pelvic floor muscles. It's this inverse opposite react, uh, relationship. When the bladder is contracting, the pelvic floor muscles are supposed to relax and vice versa. So when you're getting these strong, uncontrollable urges, your bladder is giving you these threatening little contractions. So in order to try to encourage that bladder muscle to relax, we're going to rely on this reciprocal relationship. We're going to contract the pelvic floor muscles quickly, five or ten times, and we're going to encourage, that's going to encourage the bladder muscle to relax a little bit. Okay, so first step in this process is to settle the nervous system down by stopping and taking five or six deep breaths. Step two is to try to encourage the bladder to stop giving you these threatening contractions and threatening to pee in your pants by doing five or ten pelvic floor muscle contractions, quick ones. And that's to encourage the bladder muscle to relax. And then the last step, we're going to take our mind off of this strong <laughs> preoccupation that we need to rush to the bathroom. So you're going to do one thing that's going to distract you to see if you can have a little bit more control of that urge. That could be just going to throw out random examples here that could be like taking your lunch stuff and putting it in the sink that could be calling your mom that could be texting a friend that could be emptying the dishwasher that could be going upstairs and changing your clothes it honestly could be anything just something to take your mind off of this really strong urge that you just had now when you feel that the urge is a little bit more controllable 
go ahead and go to the bathroom. The goal is not to have you to delay the urge such that your bladder fills so much that you end up peeing in your pants. No, no, no. The goal is to have you be in more control and not your bladder be in control. So that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg with urge delay strategies. Um, but that is where I recommend you start. If you're someone that gets these sudden, really strong urges that you feel like you can't control three steps, control your nervous system by stopping and breathing. Step two, relax your bladder by contracting your pelvic floor muscles. And step three, distract yourself, take your mind off of it. And then when you feel a little bit more in control, go ahead, have a great pee, but don't push it out. (laughs) All right. Tip number eight for better bladder control is going to be limiting how much water you drink before bed and what you're drinking and consuming in the two or so hours before you go to sleep. And this is going to be a really important tip for those of us who are going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, who are waking up to go to the bathroom multiple times per night. This is very disruptive for sleep. This is very important when we talk about our overall health and wellness. Getting adequate, deep, uninterrupted sleep is really, really important and evidence is proving this to us. But if you are being woken up with a bladder that's screaming at you once or twice or three times a night, what you can start doing if you haven't already tried this is to stop drinking water those two hours prior to bed so you can for sure have like some sips but don't wait until 8 p.m to start drinking your water for the day right so we want to be drinking our water and getting enough hydration slowly throughout the day not to figure it out when the day is kind of winding down that ah dang i only had like a cup of water today All right, so trying to have your water earlier on in the day. Don't have so much water in those two hours before bed. And if you went ahead or if you're planning on tracking and figuring out if there are certain things that irritate the lining of your bladder, if you have some irritants that you are consuming before bedtime, consider moving that up a little bit. So for example, if tea is something that irritates your bladder or a fizzy drink, or a glass of wine. If you're someone that routinely has one of those things before bed, it's a good idea to try to have that a little bit earlier on in the evening, or even just to try to track and see what happens with your nighttime waking when you don't have those things. Of course, you can always try to do the tip from earlier today where you're sandwiching that bladder irritant with a little bit of water, but then you're still putting like quite a bit of liquid into your body just before bed. So I mean, play around with it, try it out, but generally speaking, try to limit how much water you're drinking the two hours leading up to bed and try to limit the things that irritate your bladder. And of course, the one of the only times that it's okay to go pee just because is before bed. So I don't care if you went pee at like 10 o'clock and then you're, because you had to, and then you're getting into bed at 1030. It's fine. Just go empty your bladder one more time before you go to sleep. It's not a big deal. And this is all in the name of getting good quality sleep at nighttime. So definitely, if you're waking up at nighttime, this is a good place to start. Okay. And tip number nine, I kind of touched a little bit on this and tip number eight, but tip number nine, tip number nine is to sip 
and not gulp your water. So throughout the day, when you are having time to, you know, focus on your hydration and drinking your water and you have your water bottle with like, you know, that shows you how much you've had all day or you're doing whatever it is to make sure that you're drinking enough water, try to sip throughout the day as opposed to gulping down half a liter of water at one time. What gulping our water can do is it sort of floods our bladder in a way. I'm oversimplifying, obviously, but we can really get like kind of strong urges to go when we are flooding our bladder with a lot of liquid all at once. So if you're someone that's like struggling with frequent urges um, or leaks and you're willing to give it a try to drink more water to see if that helps you, even though it seems counterintuitive, please don't gulp that water. You will be getting lots of urges to go and you'll be peeing quite a bit. Instead, sip your water steadily throughout the day. Okay. And tip number 10 for better bladder control is to not be constipated. Honestly, I know you're like, Aaliyah, wrong type of waste coming out of the body. We're talking about pee, not poo. But no, when we talk about pelvic health, we are always talking about poo. Constipation will make your bladder symptoms worse. Constipation will make your urges, your frequent urges, the control, your leaks, it makes it all worse. If you think about it, if you imagine a hammock, okay, in that hammock are three things. And we're talking about a hammock and we're using this as an analogy for female anatomy right now. In that hammock, we have the bladder, which holds the urine. In that hammock, we also have the rectum, which holds the poop. And then we also have a uterus in that hammock. Now, if we have a bladder that, you know, is routinely filling and emptying throughout the day, and we have a bladder that is easily irritated, let's say, and is giving us annoying symptoms, just behind that bladder, if we have a rectum that is full of hard poop, it's taking up a lot of space in that hammock and it's physically squishing the bladder. It's taking up space. It's irritating the bladder and that bladder is already irritable. When we're constipated, our rectum is often holding hard stool. We're not emptying our rectum well. We're not emptying it daily there's always like hard poops around there and that physically takes up space and can irritate the bladder so just like things on the inside can irritate the bladder and contribute to stronger and more frequent urges and less control and leaks something on the outside like a rectum full of hard poop can do a similar thing also when we're constipated and we have really hard poops it's hard to get them out. We're straining, we're pushing, we're really struggling to get the poop out. And that is hard for our pelvic floor muscles to manage as well, which can make it challenging for them to do their job when we're not pooping. So for example, it can lead to some lengthening or weakening of the pelvic floor muscles and the soft tissue structures down there. It can make it harder for those muscles to do a better job at managing those changes in pressure about 
you know, having enough strength and endurance and the right timing to close the holes so that we're not peeing when we're jumping, for example. So straining to have a bowel movement when our poops are hard really is not ideal for the pelvic floor muscles and the pelvic floor muscles we need them for so many things including helping us with our bladder control and um, allowing our pee to come out effortlessly so I mean there's much more to it but honestly if you are trying all the things and you're you feel like you have a good handle on good bladder habits but you're constipated that is what you need to focus on it shouldn't be, actually, this shouldn't be tip number 10. This should have been tip number one. But anyway, it's tip number 10 on my list for today, but it should be number one in your head. Address your constipation to make your bladder symptoms better. There you have it. 10 tips for better bladder control from me, your pelvic floor's best friend, pelvic floor physiotherapist, Aliyah really happy to be able to share these tips i love teaching people how to have better bladder control and i love teaching you what you can do like really easy lifestyle changes and things to think about that anyone can start to implement right away Um, i really love teaching about it and i encourage you to take a look at your own body what's going on see if you want to try some of these things track any difference or any change that you're experiencing when you implement one or more of these strategies and i'd love to hear about it you can send me a dm on instagram at box wellness co or at not your mother's pelvic floor you can send me an email at aliyah at boxwellness.co. i would love to hear from you and if you're looking for some help i do see people in person at my pelvic floor physiotherapy practice in toronto I also have an online pelvic floor program, which is called the Pelvic Floor Mobility Program, and it has helped hundreds of women have better bladder control, manage their pelvic health symptoms better, manage things like back and hip pain, um, manage stress, improve posture. Uh, You can find more about that at learn.boxwellness.co. So if you're someone that's struggling with bladder stuff, this might be a really great place to start. It's filled with um, tons of routines, mobility, strengthening, and stretching exercises that you can do um, to help you with all aspects of your pelvic health. um, And urgency and frequency and leaks is definitely a huge part of the program. Um, I can't wait to chat with you guys all next week. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful day. What you hear and learn on this podcast isn't a substitute for medical advice. These conversations are for education and entertainment only. Yes, I am a pelvic floor physiotherapist, but I'm not your pelvic floor physiotherapist. Please reach out to your healthcare provider with any questions.